Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City, from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I'm so excited about this podcast. It's the first reaction to the new season. Yeah. And it feels it, the, the old is new again. The things we've talked about, it's, it, was, it was a fun weekend. I have to mention something straight off the bat. A uh, few listeners uh, Yanni and his brother and their friend Chris came out from Bergen County, New Jersey, to the Monroe on Sunday to watch Liverpool play. Oh! And they came because I'd mentioned it, and they came up to me, and we took a photo, and we chatted and everything. And it's just, when you meet listeners in the wild, it's, it's awesome, absolutely awesome. Lo- Yanni, an absolutely lovely guy, his brother too. Um, their friend, I don't think he cared, you know, who I was or whatever, but... Um, I went to the bathroom and some random dude then goes to my friends. Is he like famous or something? No. <laughs> no. I am just a man. Oh, but God. A man who spent about a decade on ESPN is going to garner some people, bring some people along. You but are I, objectively yeah. not. Don't, oh, aren't I? Oh. Aren't I? <laughs> oh, no. Kind uh, of, I, I mean, how many times... Nah, let's not go down this road. That's a it's a it's a big headed road for me to go down. But it's it is nice to meet the uh, just the fans. And even if you're not a Liverpool fan, come see me in the Monroe. I'll be there. He needs it. Working need, on my show, drinking problem. Show up just if no other reason than to massage his ego. I need oh. it. Validation. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Uh, but no, they were genuinely great guys. I'm so glad they came out. And and the place was packed. Of I course, do, first week I, of the season. Beautiful weather. The backyard was full. The it was packed when we watched. Was... Who was it we watched there? Montserrat in like a Gold Cup qualifier? I mean, like, you know, it's 
It's what they that was do. The black horse. That's a different. Bar. Oh, oh, where did you say you were the Mon- Monroe? Monroe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I would say this. I did do the usual, not gatekeeper, but kind of. Oh God. This is my local bar, and I'm also a Liverpool fan. And I just had a quick scan, and I thought, how many of you will be here in December if we've lost four games, and it's raining, and it's seven thirty? That's all I'm saying. What is it surprising to you that people are excited about the season the first week? Like that—that's isn't that a natural thing that like enthusiasm nah, is always at its highest at the start of something? It was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. And the people who weren't lucky enough to get seats inside, they were out the back and they would come in and they would be just sweating and disheveled. It was a real two-tier society at the Monroe at the weekend. But no, a, a great bar with a great backyard. Tell your friends. Come along and see old JJ. I, I don't understand. Are they paying us? Are you getting some cut of this that you're like pocketing on the side? What, what is this? This, this is infomercial. My friend, this, my friend, is how society should work. People looking after people, not looking for money or revenue. <laughs> now, look, if Vinny wants to sponsor us, by all means, Vinny, I will take your cash. Uh, and we've already turned down money this month. We should probably talk about that later. I, I think those conversations have already happened. Uh, what a podcast. I mean, good Lord in heaven. First week of the Premier League season. I'm so I'm so happy it's back. I needed it. I really needed it to be back. Um, partially because transfer rumors, while while very interesting, and the transfer window, while very interesting to both of us, it's not always our favorite thing to talk about because we find it we find it very tedious because yeah. so many of the rumors are just utter nonsense invented by someone with an agenda. And so we talk about these things that never come to fruition or they do, but they take four months to come to fruition. And we find ourselves talking about the but same also thing. We love, also, we love football, but that's it. I need this. I need this to be back. I need to be watching this league, my favorite league in action. Um, and so here it is. It is back. There's so many talking points from this first weekend. I'm so excited to get into them. Um, without any further ado, I mean, let, let's dive right in. We're recording this. It's late Monday night. Um, I guess we'll go with what's most recent. Manchester United played their first game of the season earlier today, uh, a home game against Wolves to uh, to open up both of these teams' accounts for this season. And it's United who win it 1-0. But <laughs> boy, Ugh. does that... <laughs> I don't know that that tells even a, a quarter of the story of what this game was about. And I think, I think people in and around that club United. Would oh, agree. oh, you did it. Oh, what? we need a klaxon. You said in and around. These are, these are amazing <laughs> cliches. Amazing. Oh my God. Andrew, are you turning into a man from Yorkshire? Is that Gary? a cliche? Do people not like people don't just oh, say that they say, in their no, everyday but, lives. But when they say it and repeat it so much in and around, it's a football term. He's coming. Like if if a manager just is appointed and he and they suddenly start winning, a player will be interviewed and he'll go, "What's the change since the gaffer came in?" Well, he's come in and around the football club and he's changed it. But no, no, no. But I think the way I used it, like it's it's how it should be used. People in and around the club, in the club, players, manager, and around the club, the fans. Like I think that what better way to just like summarize all of it in one fell swoop. Than to say in everyone around, in and around that club would not necessarily amazing. feel satisfied with this game. In and around is amazing football uh, cliche. Amazing. I'm so glad you used it because it's one of my favorites. I'm glad um, that we've stopped the pod to analyze this. Listen, 
Peter Drury finished the game by saying Manchester United won the football match. Somehow Manchester United won the football match. Um, it's 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 no exaggeration to say this was uh, this was bad. Like it was a poor performance, but it's good because you win at the start of the season, and three points is the most important thing. All all the cliches you want, they will get better. There was there was a lot to be concerned about, though, an awful lot to be concerned about. Um, and then it finished in a, a classic, as if it was scripted for this podcast. One of our cause celebras. Mm-hmm. An old chestnut from the pod. Are, are um, these cliches? What is this now? Yes, it's <laughs> cliche time. Um, amazingly, uh, Onana crashes into uh, Kaladzic, the extremely tall and injury-prone Austrian striker. Uh, and it's an absolute penalty, except it's not a penalty because when do you see them given? That's that's basically yeah. That's basically the conclusion you come to. Um, Tim Howard said it's never a penalty because it's never given as a penalty. <laughs> I, I, I have to say that that excuse is wearing very, very thin. Like he flatters into him. Absolutely. Like levels him. But but I, um, as as weird as that sentence sounds from Tim Howard and it kind of, you know, it feels like part of the goalkeepers union kind of thing. But like, I do understand what he's saying. It like it's. Yeah, it's a penalty, sure, but it's not a penalty because it's like if they make the decision today to give that as a penalty, then they're kind of changing the trajectory of the way this sport is handled on the field. Like he's right. Goalkeepers, for whatever reason, as ridiculous as these things are to watch that and think that somehow in some world that's not a foul. That's not what he did is not a foul. Like, yeah. so if they if they suddenly decide that it is then they're like they're almost rewriting the script of the sport. So I, I uh, do understand what he means. Yeah, I know. But like it, it, we've seen things in football change before. It, it, football is capable of change. Um, well, it's going to take a referee or a VAR with some real courage. And you, and, and the, wrong, the... the wrong moment to, to display that courage might be the 97th minute for the visiting team in a one goal game at Old Trafford. I just don't know if that's the moment that they're going to choose to draw the line and, and start a new chart, a new course for the sport. In amazing fashion, what you're saying is exactly what happened because the referee suddenly starts trotting over to the sideline. And all I could think of the winds of change are blowing. <laughs> like everything's going to change now. This is the moment where goalkeepers are finally held to account for just being absolute menaces. No, he goes to book Gary O'Neill. It's the most, it's the most amazing fake out I've ever seen. Just perfect. Um, yeah, they haven't had much hesitation in charting that new course. No, they're pretty good at that. Yeah, although although their their technical area, uh, the numerics of the technical area still haven't been great. I, I saw both Arsenal, Newcastle. And I think maybe even Forrest, which would have been the same game as the Arsenal game, crowding the edge of the technical area towards the end. And uh, there wasn't much done about it, let's put it that way. But back to this game. We'll get to that. Um, I, I do think it's important to to note that we're going to talk about Manchester United because they weren't particularly good. The game did feature some stars. Mateus Cunha, mm. Pedro Neto, Pablo Sarabia, Craig Dawson. Andrew, 
Wolves were fantastic. Cunha uh, in particular, and oh. Neto, I thought those two in particular stood out to me in a big way. Right, they were they were so good. And um, a Man United fan, uh, our friend uh, Nordin Chowdhury, who we've had on the podcast, who was promoting his book, he he tweeted this out: If you had to guess which team only had five days with a new coach, it wouldn't be Wolves. And that was the thing I took from tonight. I I was astounded by how good Wolves were because everyone's talking about relegation. And, and it may yet happen because they're blunt up front. It may yet happen because tonight is a game they should have won and they didn't. And that, that often stinks of relegation. But, you know, they were so fluid. They absolutely beasted that United field. Uh, Casemiro, ooh, he looks like his mind is still by a very nice swimming pool and a and a margarita glass. <laughs> like, yeah, United he wasn't looks... alone. I mean, Lissandra Martinez with a with a ridiculous yellow card, uh, ah. and then it affected him just a few minutes later when Cunha was able to just coast by him in midfield. That was one it, of my... Because if Martinez did anything, he would have been sent off. That was one of my favorite moments midway. Through going towards the ball, he goes, I better not. Yeah. Better not. And then he goes, after you, sir. And just lets him run through. And Sarabi is Sarabi's got a score there. I think he should he should put that past on Anna. But um, yeah, like he wasn't alone. There were some bad performances. Rashford, he had one breakaway down the right hand side in the second half where he he wins the ball, he's energetic, and again gets the ball trapped under his feet. A defender clears it. Um they did like Lindelof got some good blocks in. I thought Juan Bissaka, who certainly isn't one of my uh, favorite footballers, did well to deliver the ball for Varane for the goal. Pops it up nicely. It was, an, it was and, a well-worked goal, in, in fairness to United. The little kind of looping ball over the top from Bruno. Juan Bissaka played it nicely. It was, the goal was nice. It was. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was It was one of their more fluid moments. And I thought Juan Bissaka got a great block then in on uh, Huang, the bull as they call him, when he was uh, bearing down a goal in the second half. But um, you would be slightly concerned that United need to do more business and more business in midfield, amazingly, uh, after this game. That, was, that wasn't that was great. Now, um, uh, John Bruin made the point, is it the best thing to have a preseason in a foreign country and then come back in a climate that's totally different from what you're about to go playing in? Is are, are are things like this good? I feel like I'm making excuses if I say that for United. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast a ruling here and say that it doesn't matter because if we wanted to, we could probably go back in history, recent history, and find teams that traveled all over the world in preseason and then were fantastic during the year. So I don't. I think this is one of those you can write that narrative to whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um. Uh, Phil Brown, who is a podcaster, football podcaster, well-known, used to be on NBC. Uh, he tweeted out, I've never been so angry, and he's a United fan, after a win. United got out of jail. They were absolutely woeful tonight, and Ten Hag has to take responsibility. That team looked completely unprepared to start a season. They looked unfit. Their passing was pathetic, and there was zero temp- tempo. Dreadful. I mean, that's the one thing. And I was watching Onana tonight. And again, you know, it's early. It is early. And there's United have won. There's three points, so there's no disasters happened today for them. They've avoided yeah. These are that. all nice things to be saying after a win. Like I, I what, think, like you... well, I just mean that, like 
this for people to be so angry. At least I, they won the game. No, it's true. Imagine but I think, if they like, lost. Exactly, but I do think it's the manner of the performance. You know, there are like you know what this sport is like, Andrew. You can win win a game and still get absolute pelters from your supporters because it's just not good enough. And I thought like tonight that Wolves were so well drilled and and shutting things off. There was a, a moment in the first half where Onana's got the ball at his feet and he's like, uh, I don't know where to kick this. So he kicks it to the left to the full back, goes back inside, back outside to the le- to the left back, back inside again. Cent- a center midfielder drops in, I think, uh, plays it back to him again. Then Rashford drops in. And there's just nothing happening. Nothing happening, partly because Wolves are very well prepared and they're stopping things happening. But I just feel at this point with Ten Hag, that I see a bit more creativity, a bit more invention, and specifically a bit more control of the ball. Like Wolves were the team that looked good, that looked fluid, and United weren't. Now again, first game. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just that. Can't we at least wait until week three for a jump to conclusions pod before we start making grand proclamations? I'm not. I'm not. But I'm. I'm trying to say why United fans might be a bit ah, that wasn't great. And then and then we go to our own predictions. Okay, so Hoyland didn't play. No. He, he was watching on the sideline. Ten Hag says he's not going to rush him into the side. Obviously, there was an injury significant enough to to not rush the debut. But Anthony played, who was your guy who needs to have a big season. Yeah. Andrew, there was, apart from a more platinum hairdo, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of, by the way, a lot of highlights on show tonight. I thought it was 2002 all over again. There was a lot of frosted tips. Mm-hmm. Um Anthony was terrible. It's not good. Just, no. Um, so, yeah, I was just taken aback because I think I've been banging the drum for Ten Hag for so long now. Um, he's had his first season out the way and I just want to see more more fluidity. And again, when we think about Ten Hag, we think about that Ajax side and this ain't it yet. No, not yet. Not yet. JJ, how do we feel about Wolves peppering United with 23 shots in and around the goal. Opta makes a note of it. Um, it's the second most shots by an away team at Old Trafford since at least the 03-04 season. That's when they started tracking it. Uh, Chelsea is the only one with more at Old Trafford since then. They had 25 shots in November of 05 and weirdly also lost 1-0. Makes sense of that. I don't know. Yeah. So um, Wolves, I- <laughs> a Wolves team who, like you said, has had a manager there for a week, who we view, many people I would say, view as as a relegation candidate. Not a lock, but somebody who's going to be fighting, who lost a couple of their most key players, and I don't know if they've really gone about replacing them. Um, that team came in there and just fired off the second most shots of a visiting team in that stadium since 2003-2004. That's a little worrisome. It's it's concerning. Um and again, the, the the theme of the night was United just being that bit off the pace, the midfield off the pace. Uh, can't have that. You just can't have that. And 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 that's where the anger is coming from from United fans. How how are this team not ready to go day one? Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it's like you said though, it is day one. Um, this could all be a a distant memory just a few weeks from now. We'll see how they. How they bounce back um, from a uh, from albeit again 
three points, which is nice, but the performance left a lot to be desired. Let's yeah, move on, sorry. JJ. You, you got more on this? No, no, no. Just, just like Peter Jory said, when Mason Mount was coming off, um, he's getting generous applause from the fans. And I think it's game one. So, so let's be generous to United and, and see what happens after this. Yeah, I think that's... That's fair. That's probably how every team should be treated at this point in the season, to be honest. Uh, with that, let's continue now. Surprise, surprise. Liverpool and Chelsea play out to yet another draw. What is that now? Seven in a row? What is that? Uh, how do you explain that? Very oh, odd. It is. Uh, I would say in terms of Liverpool, Chelsea are a bit of a, a turned into something of a bogey team. Um, was the last win for Liverpool at Stamford Bridge against when Frank Lampard in his in his uh, second season in charge. I can't even remember. Um but yeah it's 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 just the way it goes between those two these two teams. Um and it's always been fairly tight. But um yeah it was this this definitely was more interesting than some of the other games. I would say that oh much. yeah absolutely um so like we always say, you know, like United won their game, but it felt almost in a weird way like a loss. We always talk about draws. You know, not all draws are created equal. There is within a draw a winner and a loser. I've been trying to figure out who should feel better about this. And I've kind of been seesawing back and forth. I think I think in the end, I'm I'm landing a little bit more on the Chelsea side that mm. even though even though they're at home, um, and Lord knows all the money they've spent, um, you know, I still I can't help but think that it's still a little bit more of a win for them, primarily for me, because in watching this game, you know, just hearing like the names that are being called out as Chelsea are passing the ball around. And I'm just kind of like, who is this team? Like, it's very strange to me that, you know, I know that they were 12th last season, but Chelsea are a top six side. Like, it's very rare. I feel like we're a team like that is so, so unrecognizable from one season to the next uh five players made their overall premier league debut for chelsea against liverpool the joint most for the blues in a match uh excluding obviously 92 93 um but just like so i guess i i would be if i were them i suppose i would just be you know a little bit pleased that they could face a good side in liverpool with a team that has really never played together um, that's dealing with a really important injury to their their man up front and Christopher Nkunku, uh, that that team could still find a way to eke out a point uh, in a game like that. Yeah, um, I thought Liverpool were very good early on, cut Chelsea open a few times. Um, the goal, the Liverpool goal was absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. Such such a good goal. Um, and then Chelsea responded, and and I felt in the second half, Liverpool were hanging on for quite a bit of that. Um, even if Chelsea didn't slice them open that much. And I mean, Liverpool's chances were so limited, limited to the point where the manager decides to pull Salah after 75 minutes and take him off. Didn't go down well. Probably discuss that in a minute. Um, So I feel Chelsea will probably come away from this look feeling a bit better. First of all, because Chelsea have pieces to add. So we know that uh, Moises Caicedo will be in that will be in that midfield soon. Uh, they'll also have, amazingly, Lavia. <laughs> Just um, Todd Bowley's spending spree, Un- unbelievable. You have to wonder about Lavia too. On the morning that Caicedo signs a nine-year deal, Lavia signs on to play 
knowing that this guy will start ahead of him in his position. If you want to talk about this now, we can. Why not? I, I can't for the life of me, I can't understand it. I don't understand it. From from many perspectives. Caicedo, I get it. Like we can, you know, we can talk about that. It's an it's an enormous sum of money for a defensive midfielder. But you know what? We live in a world now where Declan Rice is 105 million. So if you have a guy who's three years younger than that and who is I think it's fair to say, at least statistically, as good. I mean, I have numbers here if we actually want to like want to dive into it. I saw that um I think it was uh, whoscored.com did an analysis. Um, they talked about Caicedo as a ball winner, third most tackles in the Premier League since the start of last season, and a tackle success rate of just under 80%. Um, winning possession in the middle third of the pitch. Uh, Tiago Silva led Chelsea last season, winning possession in the middle third 59 times. Caicedo did it 142 for Brighton. Tiago Silva led Chelsea at 59. Caicedo did it 142 times. Like, he's exactly what they need. So, again, if Declan Rice costs that, then I'm comfortable, as crazy as it is to sound, because you know my perspective on this thing. I think only goal scorers generally is how I feel as guys who should make that kind of money. Um, but if Declan Rice is 105, then yeah, Caicedo is 115. The Lavia thing, like, why is Chelsea pouring that money into him? And why is Lavia, why is this where he wants to be? I, I, right. I don't understand it from either perspective. Chelsea have other flaws. Like, I know Nkunku's going to come back at some point. Um, but, like, I don't know. I'm watching Nicholas Jackson. And, yeah, like, he might be a fine player. But, you know, he he did have a shot from point-blank range that he blasted over the, the bar. Like, he's not, I don't know. I don't know if we're at any stage of being able to call him an elite goal scorer. Like, I think there's room there to, to consider that maybe Chelsea would want to redirect those funds towards a, a goal-scoring threat or, or a goalkeeper now that, you know, they lost their number one and – you know, their number two is off on loan. Like, I don't, it just seemed like a weird, a weird place to invest so much money all in one shot. And again, weird for the player to go there. I mean, uh, Gavin Cooney, who we've had on the pod, he tweets, this appears humiliating for Liverpool. Kind of does and probably is. But Chelsea must be offering whopper wages. Like, this must be huge, huge money. Um, and he goes on, the eight-year deals are obviously the means of getting these over the line for Chelsea. Otherwise, there'd be massive financial fair play implications. We have never seen spending like this. But I think if this was such a good idea, everyone would have been doing it for years. And then someone else tweeted, "Is are we seriously thinking that Todd Bowley has found the way to crack FFP? No, I don't believe that. I just, I just don't. Um, and, you know, it makes you wonder. So Fabrizio Romano, he tweeted, Chelsea want both Caicedo today and Lavia to be announced as new signings this week. Uh, hashtag CFC, more than 165 million pound potential package for both. Also explains why Chelsea left Tyler Adams deal after medical. Injury was not the issue. They decided to invest in Romeo and Moises. So after that, uh, Alex Cabrisi tweeted, uh, he made the point that I I'm kind of thinking about. He's, he writes a 60 million backup when an option that's nearly just as good was available for 20 million lavi is good but why spend so much when enzo caicedo is ideally the pairing for the next seven years that 40 million difference could have been invested elsewhere like a keeper he says i think that's a i think that's a fair point now i don't know what everyone's valuations are of of lavia 
and what he projects to be versus Tyler Adams and what he is now. But mm. that's almost a moot point because when is Lafayette going to play unless someone's hurt, which is not an ideal situation. Um, like it's all Tyler- very strange. Like it really is. And you wonder, I just wonder where this all goes. Like I, I will say that on the field, like look what Potch has done with them already. Like I thought Ch- Chilwell was excellent at the weekend. I thought, I don't know. I I just saw something. I that it was one of. I mean, they talked about it on the broadcast. It was one of Enzo Fernandez's best games since mm. coming to Chelsea. He was really good. Which you is can see, you can see, you you really can see Potch getting a note out of the squad. Sure, more more than that. He better. I mean, for for the love of God, the amount of money that's been invested in this team. I love Potch, yeah. but it, but he absolutely better. Yeah. Um, so just go back to your original question about who's more encouraged. I mean, Liverpool are now looking at that midfield and thinking we have to do something now and we've lost both of our targets. Do they go to Tyler Adams now and say, hey, come come join I us, mean, look, play with uh, us? A week ago when that was brought up or two weeks ago, I, I said it actually was kind of an intriguing idea to me. So I'm not going to back off of that. It wouldn't be their first choice. I understand that. But... He's shown, I think, you know, he's proven to be a good Premier League player. Whether or not that's good enough for a club like Liverpool, I'm not so sure. But if not him, who? Yeah. I should talk about Liverpool positives as well. I thought Sabishlai looked good at times. Very good at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Kanate was was brilliant um, at times. Um, I was massively impressed with the goal. Like I said, I think the ball from Mohamed Salah is just so good. It's so good and so prescient and clever. And I thought and the, ball the ball to Salah from McAllister was so good. The whole thing from back to front was just a, it was one of those work of art Liverpool goals that they're capable of. Yeah. So, so that was good. However, I do, I do tend to go with you that if I'm finishing my, my, if my final thought from that game is, is anything, it's, I, it's probably a better point for Chelsea. Probably a better point. Yeah. Although they'll have felt, felt in the second half, they they should have won it, and they never. So, I don't know. Like it was, it was one of those games where it was very very intense. There was, you you could see, partly that both sides are kind of a little bit undercooked. Like they're they're just finding their way. Like Chelsea are certainly in in a in a moment of transition, getting getting the, all those new players in to to fix and to gel together. Liverpool slightly in that same position, more than slightly, a lot in that same position. Um, yeah, fascinating to see where 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 these teams go. And uh, I think the next team we're going to talk about, though. Well, before ooh. that, before that, uh, I know you you did mention Salah before. Uh, yes, yes. So I mean, look, there's there's no way around it. He was he was furious when he came off, and he made a show of it. Now, like so much tape, <laughs> so much tape to take off one's hands in anger. It was it was almost the perfect amount. Yeah, yeah. It was like never ending. It's like when a clown pulls like you know cloth out of his mouth. It just keeps going and going and going. There's no end to it. That it felt like when when does this tape come to an end? Um, I kind of want to come down on the side of a whole lot of nothing, but it's also not a great, not a great look for the first game of your season. I wouldn't have taken him off. I thought it was too soon. I thought the changes that top made did make a difference. 
um, and, and gave Liverpool more impetus. But I wanted more impetus for Salah to get Salah the ball. Like, I'm, I wouldn't have been blaming Salah for being quiet in, in for most of that second half. That's that's the thing for me. And um, and Darwin Nunes comes in and um, I um. My doubts grow even further. You won't have heard the roar in the Munro when they when people saw him. Everyone is rooting so hard for him to be so good. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we'll ever get there, Andrew. He's he, again, he was an agent of chaos. He had that shot that deflected whiz past the post. But again, just there was other things he did, just the fluidity of movement, the manipulation of the ball, the, the touch just I don't know. These are yeah. I don't know. Um, you're you're playing it safe, though. Well, I'm not certainly manipulation of the ball. I don't know. I'm not going to use all these those things. things. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. He just it doesn't look like a top flight striker for me. That sh- that would be at a club like Liverpool. I'm sorry. Like I, I just can't get there. And even in training, all those training videos I watched, even when he finishes well, I'm like, God, everything that led up to that was a bit lumpen, a little bit awkward. We're not there yet for me. Certainly not no, after the first will, game of the season. I, I know there's judgment. More. Yeah, I will. Of course, will. Of course I will. Man. Of course I will. You're very cautious. Man. I think I've been, I think that, that that has served me well over the years to do that. Um, I'd love for 20 goals from him this season. I would kill for that. That, that might be, that might be asking a lot purely, not, oh, come not, on. not necessarily because of what he is capable of, but just from, just because of how crowded the position is. Like, I don't know if he's going to get it. Will he get enough minutes to do that? Maybe across all competitions and in cup matches and whatever. But like, uh, I don't know. I, he came on as a sub in this. It seems like, I, I guess that's their three. Diaz, Sala, Jota. I'm guessing that's what they're going to go with unless until somebody gets hurt with Gakpo. What was he kind of playing a little bit in behind them? He was, um, yeah. So, you know, right now, Nunez appears to be an odd man out. Now, I don't know if form will change that or if injury is going to be what it takes to change that. But I just don't know that there's enough time, if there's enough minutes to be spread around where he, where he or almost any of them can get 20 goals with the exception of Salah. So we'll see. Yeah, I, yeah, I just... It's one like I said, old things become new again. It's my it's my bugbear with uh, with Darwin Nunes yet again. Um, one final note on this that I wanted to mention to you, JJ. I don't know if this is a good thing. I guess it is for Brighton, but Statman Dave posted, JJ. Do you know Chelsea have paid Brighton two hundred and twenty four million pounds for players and staff since last summer? Yes, yes, I do know that. So basically, so you've got so Graham the, Potter. The whole coaching staff was twenty two million. You, Graham Potter's coaching staff, Kukurea, mm-hmm. uh Sanchez the keeper, um, Moises Caicedo. Yeah, that's it. Oh. 200 from one club. They're, <laughs> it's, um, <I> mean, <laughs> they're an unbelievable factory of football. Are they the new Southampton on the South oh, Coast? Absolutely. And we'll get to another one of their products in a little bit. Uh, who was fantastic over the weekend. But let's move to probably the team who made maybe the biggest statement of the weekend, Newcastle. What a what a performance. I know we had some reservations about them, whether they'd take a step forward or, or even be able to remain in place. But I mean, in this terms is... of a in terms of a first impression, because Villa is a club that we I think thought were promising coming into the season. And um you know, I know Tyrone Mings went out early with an injury, torn ACL, he's done for the season, which just sucks. 
um, terrible blow for them. But I mean, the way Newcastle just took them apart time and time again, they look pretty good. I um, I this is where I have to eat humble a lot of humble pie. I've eaten so much humble pie. There's bits in my beard. Yeah, it's um, gross. I, I have a few regrets about the, in fairness, the short shrift we gave to Newcastle, a team that is in the Champions League this season. Um, I issued some reservations about the new signing, uh, Sandra Tonali, based on based on what people had told me about Tonali in Syria. Oh my God, he was me, so good. He scored, which is not even, that's not, no. his, that's not his thing. And he scored brilliantly. Um, so he scores on his debut. Okay, not looking good there. He said, I didn't say it, but I thought it. I'm not sure if Isaac is a 20 goal a season Premier League striker, pops up with a brace. The second of which is one of the best finishes you'll see. And I don't want to hear about Kanza. Okay, Kanza makes a mistake, but it's still a lot for Isaac to do. And the way he does it, that little flipped finish is so good. Yeah. So, Although I do I wonder, say, I do wonder what happened to Kanza there, though. I got to at least ask the question. I know, but but like everything after that is sublime. Come on, let's give let's give credit here. Mm-hmm, um, sure. I gave Unai Emery big praise. Villa did well in the opening exchanges. I thought Diaby's goal was very very good, great finish. But generally, they looked the intensity of Newcastle. They did like Villa looked second to every single ball that was played after maybe the opening 10, 15 minutes. Newcastle looked outstanding in that midfield of. Imarish, Tonali, um, Joe Linton. You know, Joe Linton just looked, looked absolutely on fire. Yeah. I mean, when it's all said and done, we'll see how things progress. It could wind up as one of the best midfields in the league. I think right now it's absolutely in the conversation. If Tonali's going to play like that, and if you're going to continue to get out of Gimarish and Joe Linton what you have, then yeah, certainly. And then you get Harvey Barnes coming on. He scores a goal late. Callum Wilson comes on as a sub. He scores a goal. I mean, maybe they're deeper than we give them credit for. Um, now, we should say this, that uh, there was a sense that Villa fell apart somewhat. And like, I'm not sure that this is a true reckoning of where, of where Aston Villa are. But what we will find out about Newcastle fairly quickly is their next run of fixtures. So they have Man City away, Liverpool at home. They follow that up with a trip away to Brighton. And then they follow that up with Brentford at home. That's, that's, a, that's a tasty enough schedule. That's, very, that's really difficult. Right. So, so we'll, we'll know way more about them then. Way more. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll... As is the case with much of this, I guess the title of this podcast is, is you probably have already seen it. I think it's got to be reserving judgment. I think that's no, that's kind of uh, what's going on here. No, I don't want it to be called that. <laughs> I, no. I want it to be something something cliche related. I want it to be called in and around the Premier League this week. Um, let's see. Let's continue now and let's go to Arsenal as they begin their title challenge with a, a 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest. A couple great goals for Arsenal in this one. I mean, the first one, the first goal, it's all about the assist. As we, we go back into our debate of whether or not a great assist can lead to a goal of the season candidate. I'm not saying this is a goal of the season candidate, but that that pass from Martinelli as he's yes. spinning, uh, you know, the back heel while spinning to set up the, the goal. It was it was a I thing of beauty. I'm convinced a great assist can elevate a goal to that level. I'm convinced of it. I really think we think about Isaac last season. Yeah, the man we just mentioned, where he goes on this mad mazy dribble, and ends up creating a tap in. But the whole bulk of the work is done by his amazing. 
I know, but I think that's why it's the assist of the season and it can't be the goal. I'm sorry. It's. I think uh, you're, you're a harsh master, Andrew. I'm sorry. And then uh, after that, Bukayo Saka, whoa, I mean, just cuts in uh, from the right side, cuts to his left, and then just blasts one past poor Matt Turner. This is for Matt Turner. This is this was a I guess maybe he's glad to have gotten this out of the way immediately. This was a really tough assignment. He goes to a club. uh, He wants to impress his new teammates, I'm sure. So there's already that pressure. Now he's facing his former teammates whom he just left what like three days ago he's got to go up against them so there's more pressure because he's got something to prove to them that's a really that's a tough assignment that he that he had to kind of deal with early on i thought he was fine i thought he was fine he made he made one spectacular save on a ball that was deflected as it was being fizzed towards him Uh, and he in a split second had to kind of go down quicker extend himself quicker um really a great save uh, on the deflection but I thought he, he was, did a good job. I'm proud of him. He did, and he he was philosophical about leaving Arsenal when he was talked to, talked to afterwards. This is from ESPN. He said, "It's always a good stepping stone for my career to play for Arsenal, to be at Arsenal. It helped me to become number one for the national team, playing the World Cup. That's always been the goal. And I found myself playing in the Premier League at another club. You always kind of got to get over here, get your foot in the door, and find what's right today. And today, I felt real good." Asked whether he regretted not being more given more opportunities under Arteta as they pushed City in the title race much of last season. Turner said, sure, but obviously I didn't do enough to earn that, so I'm self-aware enough. I thought I did well in the opportunities that I had to play. But again, the team is at the top of the table for most of the season, and when that's the case, you don't really change the keeper very much. I thought that was all class. No and, bitterness. And fair, no, yeah. And fair. Like Now, some of it's obvious. There's no way, unless there was an injury, he was getting in ahead of Ramsdale. Right. You know, whatever you think of Ramsdale, that's just the way it was going to be. Um, and he's right. He, he lays out the American dream if you want to be a professional footballer in Europe. You just got to get over there and then do your best and, and, and make it happen. And and he understood and understands where Arsenal are in, in his trajectory. And now he's the starting goalkeeper for Nottingham Forest. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, totally agree. And he's going to get a great opportunity now to continue to hold that spot, be a starting keeper in the Premier League. That's that's an amazing, amazing achievement for a guy who kind of picked this sport up late in life. It's incredible. Well, listen, he should be a finance bro. Right now, yeah. we he, that was where he was headed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and thankfully, that's one less man in a Patagonia gilet wandering around lower Manhattan looking smug. I mean, he might still be wearing one. He's just doing it in in another part of the world. Yeah, he would have been a nice finance bro. He would have been the finance bro we could have all been friends with. Um, in terms of Arsenal, a couple things. You're going that... to see Matt tonight? Sure, we're grabbing a beer. Is that is that what they say in the finance world? <laughs> I think people I say guess. that everywhere. Um, a, a couple other things that I wanted to mention about Arsenal. Uh, once again, you know, Gabriel Jesus obviously out of the lineup early in the season with this knee situation, and up steps Eddie Nketiah once again, scoring a goal for them. I mean, it's if they're going to continue to get that production from him off the bench, it's I don't think you can underrate the importance of that, um, that this this next man up mentality that that club has right now. It's worked. It worked wonders for them last season. And I think it's off to a good start once again. So props to him for making the most of his situations. Um, and then the, the one other thing I wanted to mention was kind of an interesting lineup decision with, uh, you know, I think we all just assumed because of how it worked last season that William Saliba and Gabriel, like that's that's a center back pairing that you can pretty much etch in stone. Well, no, you can't. 
at least not not this past weekend, where Gabrielle was left out, uh, which I, I found that interesting as well. So we'll see if that continues. Uh, but we have at to least see for also, now, yeah. Yeah, we also have to see that the the level of, of injury to Jurian Timber, who pulled up. Oh, it's not um, good. It didn't look good. It, it, he was in a tackle beforehand, but he seemed okay. And then he's just running with the ball and he literally just has to stop. Um, so that's that's a concern for Arsenal. Also, just again, I'm nitpicking here. They've won, it's the opening day, I get it. But the the Arsenal, the forest goal, uh um it was uh it was a a won't uh, scored it. Yeah. They have four defenders in good positions, albeit they're retreating. That cross can't come in. He can't get on it. It's four v two. They have to be better than that defensively, and 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 that's just just a slight worry for me um, there. But otherwise, look, three points at home. If we're going to say that's all you want from your opening game for United, then the same applies for Arsenal. Uh, and then North London's other club. We rounded out for now at least uh, Tottenham. They begin the post Kane era with a two two draw at Brentford. Um, I would say Ange Ball, yeah. Uh, I would say this probably went in in many ways almost almost exactly as expected. Um, boy, uh, you've all, with these years of Mourinho and Conte, you almost forget that like that the game can be fun. <laughs> like I, I and that's I feel bad saying that because I I I supported those two managers and there were definitely fun moments along the way. Some of my favorite Tottenham games have occurred in the last couple seasons, but by and large, it was tough. They were a tough watch. And you just watch this now and you think, okay, it's a two, two draw against Brentford. Like it's not, it's not necessarily a great day. I think for where Tottenham are at uh, a club that has played them tough in a transition season, I think it's fine. Like, I, I think I'll take that point that that's fine with me. Um, but just like to watch this game, it's just, I don't know. It's just inherently more fun to watch your team have a ton of possession and work to try and break a team down as opposed to just watching them for 80 minutes out of a 90 minute game, try to desperately to repel attack after attack after attack and lump balls forward to try and counter. Like it's just, I just, I, it's just more fun. It just is. Uh, so like they're going to leak goals, like the, the exact things that we talked about, you know, they applied a lot of pressure, um, yeah, they they got one on a set piece and they got one from Emerson Royale. Um, but there was a lot of pressure that they put on Brentford in this game. They just couldn't break through for that winner. Uh, but they are going to leak them. They're going to come back the other way because they're putting a lot of men forward. Um, you know, Emerson Royale is basically acting like another midfielder, uh, which is opening up a lot of space. The thing for me that stood out in this game more than anything else, uh, we talked about Brighton before and players that they've created over the last few years. We didn't get to see him much last year, mainly because of injury, but Yves Basuma was so good for Tottenham in this game. He won player of the match. Um, it felt like he was on the ball the whole game. So confident. Everything forward. He completed 22 of 26 line-breaking passes, the most of anyone from the first weekend of the season. What a player. Oh, man. I mean, this when they're healthy... This midfield of of Madison, Basuma, and Bentoncourt has a chance to be spectacular. Now, a ton is going to be asked of them because of how far forward they're going to have to go. So, yes. all these teams that want to counter against Tottenham, who are who have all their men up up in attack, 
you know, Madison is not really going to be that midfielder. I think who's going to be asked to track back a ton. He's he's there to attack and help with that attack. But Basuma, Bentoncourt, when he comes, these guys are going to they're going to have to. There's going to be a lot of running going on there. Uh, so whether or not it's sustainable for Basuma to play like this an entire season, coming off a year where he dealt with a lot of injuries, that worries me a little bit. We'll see. But at least you know why worry about that now? Like in this moment of having watched him over the weekend, oh man, what a what a pleasure that was. He was fantastic. How was your boy Madison? I thought James Madison was was maybe excellent and strong, but his boy, the the ball that he put in uh, on the set piece, can't do it any better than that. Just fantastic stuff. It was unfortunate that it basically knocked Kristen Romero out of the game, uh, who had a a head injury moments before that. He was able to stay in. How good was Ange, though? So, so far, this guy, every, every note he strikes is the right one. Like he, he, he does not, he doesn't say the wrong things. He doesn't do the wrong things. He's, and just is fantastic. And, and to, to understand, you know, Romero was just handed the vice captaincy for Tottenham. Like he's a player, even coming off of a rough season, he's a, a player that clearly Ange has a ton of value for and, and time for, and we know how good of a player he can be. That was early in the game and he yanked him right out of there. I mean, you could see after he scored the goal, his celebrate Romero celebration was not the norm. No, something was up. And Ange took him right on out. And I think, you know, maybe they paid for it. They gave up two goals after that. Um, Possibly. Knows, but... but it was absolutely the right thing. Uh, and I think I think other players see that. And I think they appreciate that their manager, it's not just lip service when he says, I, I have my player's best interest is hard. He, he's he's put his money where his mouth is. Uh, so I thought that was I thought that was a good thing. I hope Romero's okay. Uh, but I, I like that Ange did that. It was was the right thing for him to do. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Brentford were fine. I think, you know, they, they counter well, that's, you know, I, I kind of like that this was a test as a Tottenham fan. I, I like that this was a test that Spurs faced early on um, to play this way against a team that wants to beat you on the counter. It was a good test for them. So I think both teams are probably generally pleased with how this one played out. Um, JJ, we really, we haven't, rec- I know we've talked a lot about it, but we have not recorded a pod since Kane left officially. Um, I suppose we should have a word on it. Um, it was, it surprised me uh, because I thought in the end of it, his heart would rule his head. He'd stay put, commit to Spurs. But I think the lure of Champions League football in particular with Bayern Munich that's where he wants to be. That's where the best strikers in the world are or should be. And I think that's why he went. And it's not his, the video he put out, I thought was genuinely heartfelt. I don't think it was an easy decision for him to leave. Yeah. Um, and I think it was much tougher than the decision he was going to make to join Manchester City or the decision he wanted to make. But Daniel Levy uh, made sure that that couldn't happen. I think actually this one, this one, this one hurt him. Um, but uh, he's going to win a, more than likely, although they had a bad start in the DF, uh, DFL, what is it? Super, Super Cup, Super Pokal, DFL Super Cup, yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, they lost 3-0 to Leipzig. Uh, I kind of feel like it's the right decision for him at this moment. You know, we have that phrase that Martin O'Neill used to use a lot when he was manager of Ireland. You don't want to die wondering. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to finish his career wondering, well, what if I didn't go to a, 
it's not that Spurs aren't a massive club. They're an enormous club. And he left the biggest league in the world. So he left it to go to somewhere that can give him Champions League football and also somewhere where he can win a trophy. Although I, I think the trophy is a secondary part for him. Uh, he's England's leading forward, has been for some time. He's the leading English striker in the Premier League. I think he went to Bayern Munich to play in the Champions League and, and, and be at a team that at least, as Jamie Carragher put it today, every season has a chance to be at the business end of the Champions League. Yeah, And you know what? He owes Spurs nothing. Um, he loves the club. I think he will return back there. Whether whether the situation is right, I don't know. But I think at some point in maybe two or three years' time, he will go back to England. And I think it will be Spurs that it, where he finishes his career. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Um, you know, Jack Pitt Brook, uh, who covers the Premier League, but also Tottenham as well. Um, he he posted since Kane signed that big contract in 2018, Spurs have come fourth, sixth, seventh, fourth, and eighth. Aside from that good six months under Conte, they've been bad and getting worse. During that time span, Kane has scored 140 goals for Spurs, half of his total. The motivations are obvious. Um, and he's right. Like, this is how we got to this point. Kane has always, it, I even said this, JJ, you might remember. I don't know if it was popular to for me to have said this as a Tottenham fan during the time, but I even understood when he wanted to go to city, like Kane was always clear with Tottenham that if the club appeared to be moving in the right direction, then all is well, then you won't get, you won't hear a peep out of me who can honestly look at the situation at Spurs with where things have been heading for the last few years and say that all is well at, at this club, that the trajectory is in the right direction. It hasn't been for some time. No, like that, that's clear. And like, and his performance levels have shown no drop off. If anything, they might have been getting stronger. He scored thirty goals last year in a club that, uh, for a team that didn't want to attack. You know, but the club was not mirroring that level of success. So when those two things become so like dramatically out of whack with each other, then it can't be a surprise that this is where we wind up. Um, so look, I think, I think it's it's. Probably the right move for all parties. You know, Tottenham got a big chunk of money for a guy who could have left for free one year from now. And this is a transition season where they, even with Kane, you know, like we talked about in our preview podcast, they probably weren't going to be contending for anything really. Uh, so it made it made sense in a transition year. Let's have a clean break and really do the transition the right way rather than clinging to a little bit from the past um, and trying to move forward. And for Kane, I mean, look, will those titles at Bayern, will, will, you know, it's a club that wins every year. Even last year where they weren't that good, they won a title. Will those domestic league titles do anything to change people's minds about Kane and, and the greatness that he brings? I don't think so. But does like I don't know that that matters. Like what I think about what those trophies mean he shouldn't care about that. He's earned the right to go to a club where he can hoist that thing, where he can, at the end of the season, can be a champion in some way. And of course, the Champions League thing is is the big thing: is to not not just to be in it, but to be at a club that can win it. Um, I get it. I get it on all accounts. I hope you're right that if he comes back, it would be with Spurs. Who the hell knows where we'll be three years from now? Whatever. Um, but I think you know, sad to see him go. I like. I had come to terms with it that this was going to happen. I really genuinely believed that this one, this was for real. Um, and I was ready. I had kind of moved on, but then still, when I woke up and saw the news Friday morning, I still couldn't help it. I, I still was like, Oh F no, like I, I, I couldn't help it. 
Um, and I don't know how interested I am in watching Byron this season. Like it's good. It's weird. I don't, I don't really want to see him play for another team, but having said that, I hope he wins. Like I actually, you know, last season to listen to our podcast, JJ, at the end of last season, we're not Dortmund fans, but boy, if you go back and listen to that end of Bundesliga Ooh. season, well, we sure sound like it. we sounded devastated. I won't be that way. I, I this season, I, I want him to win. I really the do. Finished. The finish of the Bundesliga season, we got too invested in because it crushed us. It <laughs> utterly crushed us. It was just so sad. Yeah, um, but really I hope was. he succeeds. I, I because, By the way, because what if he doesn't? Like, what's the alternative here? You know, the narratives of our people can't wait to start parading them around. I've already seen after they lost 3-0 in a game where he made a cameo appearance. The, what was it? You can take the player out of Tottenham, but you can't take Tottenham out of the player? I mean, oh, good Lord. Like, God. So, but I think it's best for all parties. Sad for Spurs, but I get it. Um, and good for Kane. I hope he goes on and achieves great things there. Um, Cause the guy is, I mean, I've always said he's, he's my all time favorite player. Uh, and it's been, it's been fun watching, but it's a loss for Spurs. It's a loss for the Premier league too. I mean, the league will be fine, but that's a, that's a big chip to have lost uh, as a guy, a guy pursuing the, the Premier league's all time leading goal scoring record. So, yep. That's about, that's about all I got at that. I'll tell you what, let, let's take a break. We'll come back. Oh, a couple no. other th- well, I know you want to do Man City and Everton. We'll do that on the other side. Oh, will uh, we? Oh, suddenly you're changing things. Oh, wow. What, what's changed? I sent you a I, rundown. I, right. And I and put them in. Not on, on mine. Rundown. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what, I have something like telepathy that I can like see what's on your screen? Yeah, that's How dare enough. you? I, I do feel though I don't have enough say in these rundowns. I, you I want to make rent- them? It's all yours. The keys to the kingdom. Have at it, my friend. The responsibility is yours. No, because you'll just manipulate it anyway. I've seen you work. Uh, Let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, JJ's got some thoughts on City and Everton. Uh, we got to talk about Neymar. He's headed off to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Leagues Cup semis, World Cup, Women's World Cup semis. A lot to get to still here on Caught Offside. Don't go anywhere. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. Uh, You know, JJ, we'll get to um, City and Everton in a sec, but thinking about Everton, um, our good friend Doug, who we mentioned the other day and, and our concern for him, if Everton are in another battle uh, to stay up, I, I, I'm the fantasy league that you used to be in. Uh, yeah. it, it obviously resumed this past week. And I played Doug this first week. I beat him by half a point. Uh, that also can't be well 
can't be good for his general uh, well-being. But my favorite thing. He did text thing, me. He, he did. T- sorry to cut across. He did yeah. text me and, and, and thank me for, for my concern for his bowels. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I've, I have huge bowel concern for him always and always will. That's nice. But you know, my favorite thing that came out, we, we did the draft and we did it over zoom with the 10 of us that are in this league. And, um, Shafe, who runs the league, he had the past drafts from other years. JJ, I don't think anything the whole night got a harder laugh from everyone. And, when yeah, he went I back, know. I know <laughs> you at our first Wilfred year that we did this. No, no, it wasn't Wilfred Boney. It was a different Swansea striker. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think you had the second pick in the league our first year. This was probably what five years ago, six years ago. And with oh, the second pick, yeah. in the second pick in the draft, I believe it was Buffett Tembi Gomis that you took, and it was uh, uh, we all just we laughed and laughed. It was just. <laughs> What were you doing? I, I can't remember the reasoning. <laughs> there you know is what, none. Though? No, there is. I've all, I must have read something. I must have read something. You could thought. have gotten him probably in the ninth round if you wanted well, to. I, sta- I started with Aguero, so I was doing okay. Um, I thought Gomez was your first pick. No, I think it was Sergio Aguero. Uh, Shafe, if you're listening, I know Shafe's a good a, a good listener of this podcast. Se- please send me that draft. I have to I, see. I'd have concern for myself if I picked Gomez over over Sergio Aguero. Like I like genuine, genuine concern for for even me in the past. Oh, I would have man. to get into a time machine and warn myself prior to that. <laughs> oh God! It's still even thinking about it now. When I saw oh. that name pop up on the draft board, like, Jesus. what is he okay? Does he have a fever? Someone, someone, check on him. Oh, Lord, <laughs> Gomez. I think it was with the second pick. Well, I don't know. Why, Shafe, please though? send it to me. I don't know. Yeah. Only you can. I had some. That. I definitely somebody that I respect wrote an article about him. Only thing I can give I'm, you, uh, Miguel Delaney. Oh, you <laughs> love him. It must have been Miguel Delaney said something. He probably said a lot of negative things about other people, and then propped up Gomez, and then and then you ran with it. Uh, him or Rory Smith, yeah. one, or, or Ken Early. Take your pick. That's so good. Um, while we're on the topic of Doug, let's stick with Everton for a sec. I watched almost all of this game actually on Peacock. So you can, I didn't, but it, there's no way we can't mention it because what a, what an effing flat start to it. <laughs> like I'm not saying they didn't create chances. They I did. They were, un- they were unlucky with the goal that was ruled out, but like just to lose one nil at Goodison, like what a wah wah. How can if you're an Everton fan, how can you not feel? Oh, here we go again. What's that meme? It's oh-ish. Here we go again, and it's from like a. a like, oh yeah, it's from a video game. Video game. Is it yeah, from yeah. Vice City? Yes, it might be. It might be. That's a good call by you. Uh, and that that <laughs> yeah, ev- back into battle. Yeah. yeah, that's Everton. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about it is, like, if, if we're talking about results versus form. You know, I think it matters. There's certain clubs that it matters more for. Like we talked about Manchester United earlier. They got the three points, but they didn't look good. What do we make of that? Well, if they're if their hope is to qualify for top four at the end of the season, you got to think at some point they'll figure it out, and maybe those three points will matter a lot for them. Other clubs like Tottenham, where I don't know if if the points matter as much this season as the form and the direction they're heading, the one point against Brentford in another year, you say, ah, not good enough. We want top four this year. I don't think it's about that. That one doesn't matter. What about Everton? Cause I actually thought that Everton were not bad 
in this game, but it's zero points against the team that they're playing at home that I don't know what Fulham are going to be this year. Mitrovic might leave. Saudi Arabia are still hot after him. You know, they may be, there's a, they may be a relegation candidate as well. So likelihood Everton, they won't be as good as they were before, and it's a home game, and it's Everton, so they have to identify games like that as possible three points. Right. So they have to. They didn't play poorly, but what matters more for a club like Everton, the points or the form? I think because well, we I think, think that they're going to be in a relegation fight. I think they just need points. They got to accumulate think, them however they can. Yeah, but I think, and I, I, I hate to to be quite so blunt, but I think you're wrong. Okay. Doesn't form, doesn't playing well lead to points? Like leads but to I don't, wins. But with a club like them, I don't, week to week, I don't know. And you it feels like, a... let's, let's, so they got 38 games. How many of them are going to, are they going to be good in? Because they're not a good team on paper. I know, but like you can't. So what do they have? Like 14 good games in there? Well, they might have just wasted one of them. Right, without, okay. Without points. Okay, I see that logic. I just don't think they can dice ball their way out of this. I don't think they can gut their way through it. You know, so Jamie Jamie Carragher always mentions how, you know, that Everton in the mid-90s that won the FA Cup that stayed up twice um, when it looked like they were going to be relegated. The dogs of war, they were just that, like gritty, determined but every game, Andrew, was a slog. Like it was like war. I don't I just don't see that in this Everton side. And I don't think it's sustainable. Just as just as much as it's not sustainable to be like this brilliant club who which plays free flowing football with the squad that they have. I don't think the other way is sustainable either. I, I, I think they're going down, man. Yeah, I mean we we made that clear the other day. Um that's we we were both in agreement. And we this. should mention that we believe Jack Harrison is on 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 the on the on the way uh, to Goodison. Yeah, a lot happened there. So it looked like he was going to be an Everton player. Then it looked like Aston Villa were going to hijack that. But then something in in his medical with his hip looks like it came back and maybe scared off Villa. But it mm. doesn't at this point, at least, doesn't appear to be scaring off Everton in the same way. Right. So that one is not over the line yet. Does Jack Harrison, does he does he move you in a way that Dwight McNeil doesn't? So here's the thing. No. Um, however, is like, you know those shirts, JJ? Like, what is it? Maybe not may not be a shirt, but like people always say about bear attacks. Like, I don't need to be faster than the bear i just need to be faster than you and i wonder right. if everton they don't need to compile a team that's really good like they don't need to go out and get big name players but jack harrison type players they just need to be better than the 18th best team you know mm. you get what i'm saying like yeah that's all and jack harrison might be the kind of player like we keep saying about some of these signings that everton are making that like do they change the way you really feel about the team? And we kind of keep looking at these signings and saying, well, no, not really. But like, what are we comparing that to? A good team? Because that's really not what we should be holding them up against. We should be holding them up against some of the worst teams in the league. They only need to be uh, better than those. Does Harrison do that? Does Danjuma do that? Does Ashley Young? Uh, Ashley Young, I don't think so. But the others, I don't know. Again, 
don't compare them to good teams or even mid-table teams. Compare them to Luton. Like they they just they don't need to outrun the bear. They just need to outrun you. Jesus we'll Christ, Andrew. That is, I mean, it's it's so <laughs> on the money, but it's so absolutely depressing. God. Yeah. In the year of our Lord, 2023, Everton just need to be better than the like of Luton Town. This is this is quite something. Yeah. This is amazing. Um one quick mention before we move off the Premier League uh, for now. Do we ever fully move away from it? Not really. No, especially the first week of the season. We can't help it. We're, it's like coming out of my pores. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, is that what that is? Because who's going to say you need to get that checked? Um, uh, Man City, uh, what could we say? They weren't even at full tilt against Burnley and still they blew them away. I thought maybe the most fitting beginning to a league season that I've ever seen in my life. It's I, like no time passed. Yeah. What were we, Just three minutes it. in, Holland, goal. Yeah. I like the second one in off the underside of the crossbar. I will always claim and I will always maintain if it clips the crossbar or the post, crossbar more than post, gives it an aesthetic quality. Um, and uh, Burnley looked okay. They were decent. Um, created a couple of chances, half chances, but genuinely, obviously, nowhere near uh, Manchester City. Um, and Burnley really just kind of separated themselves lately uh, on their social media, which has been their social media announcements for players, Andrew, have been pretty special. And they did an office one for uh, their most recent signing and uh, thought you'd really appreciate it. But you know what? It's OK. I'm totally fine. Everything is going to be. Can I sign for Burnley? Yes. Upper class. I'm sorry. What was the question? Do you uh, do you remember what episode that was from? Or uh, arguably, the the, I mean, if you were making a list of the most memorable moments in the history of the show, that one might be top three. Why? So, so what is? Well, it's to be the moment there? like the Jim. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's the moment when Jim asks out Pam. That like he was in love with her. Then he left and she was in love with him. Like it felt like the storyline was going to go on forever, kind of just like these, they couldn't quite get the timing right. In fact, I think that might even sort of be what she, what she's saying in that scene. And then all of a sudden he just appears out of nowhere. He came back from New York from his interview and, and asks her out just suddenly in the middle of while she was doing her little one-off with the camera. It was, it's an right. incredibly memorable moment in the show's history. Yeah. Uh, I think I know that scene now that you've explained it, even though I, I, I have just dipped in and out of the American office. I really have to it's give so up my good. time. It's just I know, so good. Well, I'm so wedded to the UK office, to the original. Like I'm, 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 I quote it. I've got, I've now, I've now maybe got four friends in the world and we talk in UK office quotes like regularly. Um, and I mean, I think and, it was Ricky Gervais himself who, when he he introduced Steve Carell, I think Steve Carell was coming out to present an award at some award show, and uh, I think it was I think Ricky Gervais he he said something like, "Now to introduce a man who's going to come out and say all the same exact things that I just said, only a lot funnier." Like he almost is like blessing the show with his praise that like, yeah, it's actually better than what we did. It is not better than the UK <laughs> you office. haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've seen enough of it. I have. No. No. 
this is one great debate we should have. I, the, I'd love the listeners. Now, don't come at me if you haven't at least seen w- uh, one season of the UK office and like one season of the US office. You need to have that much under your belt, I would think. But I'd love to know. The animals in Reddit, they'll sort it out for us. I mean, I know our audience. It's, you know, it's a lot of yous out there, a lot of, hey, edgy and different. You know, I pride myself on being different from the crowd. So you're That's, you're going to win this in a landslide. Um, that, I've seen both. Definitely. I've seen both. Now, maybe it slants my perspective a little bit that I saw the American one first. Oh, um, definitely. So that that could in some way alter, like some people might look at the American office and, you know, because they saw the British one first, like it's it's not new stuff to them. So I can't, it's hard for me to see it that way because I saw the American one first. Um, so I don't know. They're both, they're both amazing. I love them. I mean, the American office is my second favorite show all time behind Seinfeld, which probably will never get caught. Uh, just one of those things for me. Um, one other question about Man City that I had for you, JJ. Oh. Because uh, I know sometimes, I don't know if performative is quite, is quite the right word, but I know that you sometimes are of the belief that Man City maybe say or do certain things because they're so aware of the perception of them. Oh, um, absolutely. They're, they're supporters even. It trickles all the way down. So yeah. I was wondering what you made of Erling Holland having an amazing first half and Pep. I mean, I don't know what was being said, but kind of looked like he was berating him coming off no, the field. And, just... and then he pushed the camera in, in quote unquote oh, rage. That's, that is just Pep. That's nothing to do with City, City supporters, the, the, um, ownership of the club nothing to do with that that is just pure pep he can't not do it i i always think back to the first time i really saw him do it and i'm sure he'd done it a million times before that but the first time it irked me they munich Bayern munich had just won i can't remember what it was maybe it was the cup whatever and they're celebrating on the field and there is uh, joshua kimish and guardiola in his face with the kind of what I like to call tough love. Hey, man, I'm going to tell it to you straight. Because when I tell it to you straight, you're going to learn. And then we all learn. And you're going to remember, hey, that guy really cared for me. And he's he's full out go- giving, like going through the mad tactic, like explaining into his face while everyone else is kind of in jovial celebratory form. This poor child has been berated by this man. Like, and then he did it to to Raheem Sterling on the sideline once. I think when he was substituting him, like you're taking the kid off. He's he's let him sit down. No, no, no. He starts going into all these this tactical stuff. It's like care so much that it's tough love. Oh, I I absolutely effing hate it. I love do Pep. That. I, I do. I can't tell though if something like this. It, it did hit me as a little performative. Oh, Christ, yeah. We just came off the best, maybe the best season in the history of English football. Um, but look how unsatisfied I am. Look, oh, yeah. at, look or, at my, you know, my desire for perfection. Like, yeah, or, or look at, look at, or look at two, like he is very, he is very conscious of money, uh, the money that's been spent and spent sure. in the club. So, so maybe this is like, because, and he's always saying they were so, so good. So, so good. Physically strong. Um, powerful, tough, real tough, so so good. So maybe, and he's always doing that, even when they've won like seven nil, right? Like he, he, so this was like almost like they're cruising at halftime. Oh 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 oh! I can't let people think that this is as easy as it looks. 
So I have to make out that we're in some kind of crisis. Like. Right, because that whole interaction with Holland, if genuine, which it probably was to a certain extent, it all could have happened in the locker room. He did it right course, in front of, of a course. camera. Like, I mean, so, you and then, know, like, and, and again, get I really the camera, get rid of the camera. I don't want you to see the upset. I don't want you to see the dysfunction. I don't want to see you see how tough it is to be Man City. Oh, I yeah. and I and I I've said it before on the show. I really like Pep, like the documentaries that I've seen where he's like a big part of them and he's interviewed. He's he's a I just like his personality. I enjoy him. But I, I saw that and I was like, I, I need JJ's take on this because it felt performative and I, I need JJ to, to back me up on that feeling. Did, did I ever tell you about how he looked at me once? <laughs> Guardiola. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I and guess it not. Was, it was, I would say smug contempt was the way. We were in Orangeburg at the uh, City Football Group training complex. And you know me, I won't not just like talk to anyone. So I'm talking to the then assistant coach, former Un- Manchester United le- legend, teammate of George Best and European Cup winner, Brian Kidd is there. So that kid is like, Jesus Christ. Kidd was like Sir Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson's right-hand man during those early years. Like he's, this guy is just steeped in English football. There's no way I'm not, and he's, he's, a, he's an older gentleman now. So I, I felt like I can just go up and talk to him. So I start talking to him. And it's just awesome. Um, and there's loads of people milling about, loads of city staff, city players. And I'm just stood there and he's holding a football and I'm, I'm just chatting to him and he's telling me how um, I think his wife's people are from, from Ireland originally and we're back and forth and he's asked me how long. I've been. It's just, just a nice chat. And Pep walks by mm-hmm. and kind of just nods that kid or something like that. I don't know, is he signaling him that they were going somewhere or whatever? And he just walks by and he looks at me. And I, I just went like this. Hiya, Pep. Just like that. That's all I said. And he just kind of looked at me as if I I don't care to know who you are. <laughs> did he not? Did he give a head nod? Did he say hello back? Did no, he... it was more of a stare and a smile. The smile was the acknowledgement, I guess. But it okay. was more like, He's, I don't know. All right, well, what do you need? He smiled back. That's fine. I thought Maybe that it was suspicious just... of me. <laughs> he had every right to be, quite frankly. Oh well, yeah, I was I was out of control there for a member of the media. I I I um I interviewed Mark Ogden there. Couldn't get any access with the players because ESPN had already booked their time. ESPN FC, mm-hmm. and so I'm just another arm of ESPN that didn't matter. An un an an arm that invited itself to training. Um, and so I start kicking the ball around with Aaron West and Heath Pierce, and then Phil Foden comes out. And um, what's what's the what's the guy that's gone to um. Uh, AC Milan, the young kid that used to play at City. Anyway, um, so I'm just kicking the ball around with them, and uh, and just generally not being a professional. <laughs> That's all I was, because I was like, I got my interview. I couldn't interview any of the other, other players. So what am I supposed to do? So maybe maybe he, maybe maybe Pep's. You 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 were breaking boundaries there that shouldn't be broken. Oh. You were you were crossing lines. Uh, and Pep had every right to scowl at you. Although it sounds like he didn't scowl. He gave you a warm smile, and somehow you've turned this into him having no use or time for you. I think he was couldn't have been more polite. Um, let's see. JJ, let's leave the Premier League for a moment here, uh, and let's check in on Neymar as he now becomes the next big fish, a really big fish, to be netted by the Saudi Arabian League. Um, you know, it's interesting that, like, 
we've kind of known for months that his relationship with PSG was over. You know, going all the way back, remember the fans gathering outside of his house, basically in protest of like his existence. Uh, I mean, we've kind of known that like this is done, but all these months that have gone by with the exception of like some little flirtations with Barcelona, which were never going to work. They could barely register their own players. Um, there's been really no talk of like Neymar going to any prominent European club. Like here are Chelsea that are desperately in need of goal scoring and they got no use and they're, and they're signing everyone, everyone under the sun. They got no use for Neymar. It, well, it's interesting. And so, you know, it's not so there he goes and PSG still get a hundred million euros for him. It's, it's, uh, you say it's interesting. It is interesting. It is all, it, it's desperately sad. Um, He's only 31 years old. So, um, so Miguel Delaney did a piece on it um, today and it was, it was very good. Uh, he said Barcelona were the only European club actually interested in signing Neymar, and that was only on a loan with an option to buy. Manchester United, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Chelsea, and Manchester City all turned him down. All of those, with the exception, I would say, of City, uh, all teams that probably could have benefited greatly from a true goal-scoring presence. Chelsea, look at what Bayern just did for Kane. But um, all... All clubs that United. don't want the hassle, and yeah. all clubs that don't want to pay, he. So, so the as desperate as Neymar was, Miguel says he did not significantly lower his demands, mm-hmm. and so that became a real problem. Um, I don't think Madrid would want the distraction. I don't think. Uh, I certainly know Ten Hag wouldn't want the distraction of Manchester He's just got rid of Ronaldo. The last right. thing he wants strolling in is Neymar, even though Neymar is still a more capable footballer at this point in his career. And I don't think Guardiola would find a use for him, um, a guy who's going to hold on to the ball as long as he is. Uh, what uh, Miguel's the most interesting line for me, though, is this. And I wonder if this is now over the hill and far away, unreachable for Neymar. Neymar said, um, Miguel writes, Neymar was desperate to stay in the Champions League, especially as he wants to have a huge 2026 World Cup due to an ambition to be a major sporting figure in the United States. Nothing came off. Hmm. Now, is is this guy delusional? In the sense of what? That he's going to be... Neymar needs to... He's right that Neymar needs to be in um Neymar is right that he needs to be in Europe and he needs to be at the absolute top of his game. Like Americans I mean they got Messi off the back of a World Cup win. Like, like Neymar would have to do so much more than he's done in his five or six, six, seven years, whatever it is at, at PSG. He even move the needle in him coming to the States. Like at twenty twenty six, he'll be what age? Uh, he's 31, so he'll be like 34 years old. Do you think he makes a splash in the United States? And he certainly can't do it now if he goes to Saudi Arabia. No, this hurts. I mean, because this, this move this moves him closer to irrelevancy. Now, if he remains a part of, of the Brazilian squad, which I don't know. Uh, he, I mean, at 31, yeah, I would think Neymar is still a part of Brazil. Um, but it, it moves. He's headed in the wrong down the wrong path if he wants to be, you know, a, a, a renowned major truly, sporting figure in the United States. Yeah, then this is this wasn't this probably wasn't the move. Now, I mean, we'll see. Um, but it's um, boy, it's a it's a weird weird legacy 
that he leaves behind at that club, at PSG. 118 goals in 173 games, five league on titles in six years. Um, but it's the Champions Leagues. If you're going to play at PSG, you're not judged on anything other than Champions League success. So I've gone through, JJ. Here's what happened um, in the six seasons that Neymar was a part of PSG and what they did in the Champions League. First one, uh, lost in the round of 16 to Real Madrid. Lost the next year in the round of 16 to Man United. Lost in the final the next year to Bayern in that weird COVID Champions League season. Uh, lost the next year in the semis to Man City. Lost in the round of 16 the next year to Real Madrid. And then last year, lost in the round of 16 to Bayern. Four of his six years at PSG, losing in the round of 16. Now, here's the the real complications of his legacy. Um, if you go back and look at these injuries, you know, mm. missed the second leg in, in 18, uh, missed the first and second leg in 19. The year they went to the final, played all the way through and they got to a final. Um, got to the when they were in the semis, he played in both legs in the loss against Man City. Uh, round of 16 and 22, subbed on in the first leg, started the second leg, and then this past year, started the first leg, didn't play in the second leg. I mean, he's injured for half of those, maybe even more. So, um, you know, it's scored a lot of goals, was great for a lot of that time, but, you know, his antics a little bit off the field, his lifestyle, you know, that Mbappe kind of hinted at, uh, I think that that's a, a part of his legacy. People, whether it's fair or not, it takes some of the blame, I think, for his fitness and his injuries. And I think, I don't know how he gets, these were his prime years that he gave to PSG. And I don't know how they go, how he's remembered as a player. He's a brilliant, we've seen him at his best and, God, is he good. Oh, my God, could he be a tremendous player at times. But there still just feels like there's going to be something missing in that legacy of what, of the way people talk about him and the and the regard that he's held in. So, I mean, it's absolutely the case now. He's not going to have achieved a... I mean, think of what you thought of him in 2015 after that Champions League win. Think of where you thought... You just saw him going to be the main man for Barcelona for years to come. That at some point he'd even surpass Messi. It felt like he was next in line to kind of carry the mantle. Like that Messi and Ronaldo were sort of, even though they were still great, maybe they were starting to transition into the the final third of their career. And Neymar was in his was entering his prime. And it felt like, okay, this guy is going to be the next one. And in the end, he's kind of been skipped over a little bit. Like he'll always be great. I feel like maybe he goes in sort of like an Ibrahimovic tier. Great player. Everyone acknowledges how great he was. But when we talk about the greatest of all time, you know, he's not really, is he going to be brought up in that category? Like I think Neymar. Greatest of all time. No, no. Like he's Neymar is going to be passed over now. Like Mbappe, Holland, like those are the guys we turn to now as the faces of this era. Neymar kind of got skipped. And some of that was going to PSG. Some of that was injuries and marquee moments. Um, Some of that was lack of, of real success with Brazil. Um, just feels like something something is a little bit off there. And now I hate to say it, he's 31. But if he's going off to Saudi Arabia, don't you kind of feel like we're closing the book on his club career? Like what I what do. he does in Saudi Arabia, do, do you care? No. Yeah, so it's a weird one. That's a weird one. Uh, who knows? Um, one other quick PSG note. The Mbappe situation with PSG, is, is it's one of the weirdest things happening in sports today, I would say. Um so uh, just to make sure I had this right, PSG say first that he'll never play again for them. Then PSG get held to a lifeless nil-nil draw versus Lorient. 
suddenly Mbappe is welcome back into the squad. Um, but the weird part is there's reports now of him signing an extension there. What is that? Why would he ever do that? No. no. I'll believe it when I see it, but those those reports are out there. That would I, be crazy. It would, it, that would make like zero sense. You're right. Um, but who knows? Who knows? The whole the whole thing there has been weird with Mbappe and that club. So why why not have there be one more weird twist to his that story whole, there? That whole club now, I I think we can say so far, over well over a decade now, twelve years in, the Atari ownership of that club has been a failure. Yeah, although I will always hold them up for one thing, JJ. They kinda they were they were the shining light against the Super League. Oh. They were those I mean it's well documented. They came in on their horse and their white horse and saved us all from the evils of Yeah, I can I, I they'll always have that. They'll always have that. Um one final note on the PSG stuff. So Neymar gone, Messi gone, Mbappe, who the hell knows what's going on, but I, I can't imagine he'll be a PSG player for much longer. Ben Jacobs had an unbelievable tweet, something that we we joked about months ago. Oh yeah, look at PSG suddenly gonna become like a club that builds from within. Well, here's what he's here's what Ben Jacobs, who I think is excellent, uh, here's what he tweeted. PSG now planning for a new era with a younger average squad uh, age. One source reveals the quote-unquote bling-bling era Neymar represented is over. As previously reported, PSG looking to buy young and, where possible, French. Shift towards growing players rather than relying on star power. <laughs> Amazing. I understand why they do it. They, Like they said, the bling-bling era, they tried, and look what it yielded. Four round of 16 exits in the Champions League in six years. Um, but I just can't believe it that one of the clubs that's owned by a country is having some kind of come to Jesus moment and is going to completely shift the way they do business. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I, this is an indictment on the players that are willing to go there right now. They can't. I, they maybe can't get that same caliber of player, so that they're almost forced into this position. And it's also maybe an indication that you know, long term, they still want to be involved in football and still wield that influence in football. And clearly, their owners do so. Yeah. This is the way to do it. Um, can I make? Uh, can I go back and uh, absolutely just uh, destroy this podcast for one second? Oh boy! And note that the PGMOL, I just saw this, have said that it was an error not to call the penalty in Manchester United versus Wolves. Oh, oh. wow! Oh man! So maybe so what? So are... what do they do now? To so do they take away the yellow card that was given to to Gary O'Neill? I'm I'm sure that it, well, of, co- mm. of course not. But it's but it's not right. Yeah, you're right. I don't think they do. He should have that thing taken away. Now they won't because they're emphasizing, you know, and, and rightfully so. They're emphasizing kind of like de- decorum on on the pitch and behavior. Um, so Simon, but, Stone of the, Simon Stone of the BBC, Gary O'Neill says PGMOL's John Moss spoke to him after the game and has admitted Wolves should have had a penalty and it was a clear and, a clear and obvious error. But I wonder, does this mean we're going to get what we want now? The brave new world where goalkeepers are held accountable. I'm telling you, I, I actually, I do not regret interrupting Mbappe no. talk for, for this. No, that's hugely important. Oh, thank you. Huh. How You're about welcome. that? Um Let's see a couple other things, JJ, just to mention. Uh, so we're recording this late at night. 
uh, Tuesday. Unfortunately, that means by the time you're listening to this, the first Women's World Cup semifinal will have happened between Spain and Sweden. So I don't, it, it's probably pointless, game. pointless for me to say anything about that. So what I will say, though, is that I absolutely cannot wait for this England-Australia sem- uh, semifinal. It has to be one of the most hotly anticipated Women's World Cup semifinals of all time, I would think. This host nation with this entire, the way the country has rallied behind them is just, it's so much fun to watch Um, against the reigning European champions in England. It's a fascinating matchup to me. It is. Did you see that World Cup semifinal tickets? This is from the Daily Mail intended for England fans have been bought up by Australians after the unique supporter code was leaked on social media. (laughs) An official England supporters allocation of 1,970, so just shy of 2,000 tickets, were released after the Lionesses' 2-1 quarterfinal victory over Colombia. Post on the Football Association website said the access code Lioness was exclusively for England fans. How would that work? But several Australian supporters have managed to buy tickets in their opponent's section of the stadium and bragged they would be wearing Matilda's shirts. All right, several? Well, that's not as big a deal. No, several, but... I thought you were going to say several hundred. I can't imagine they're the only ones getting in on that sweet, sweet deal. (laughs) Um, I can't wait for that one either. And I'm just, I think that Australia can do this. I think that, and we know England are good, but they haven't. But they haven't played good. No, they haven't. They haven't. And I, I do think that Russo is the key to everything they do because she was so good in their last game. I, against Colombia, I, man, I I think Australia can make the final. I think so too. I mean, it's one of these weird things that you see in some of these tournaments, JJ, of just like teams that don't play well all the way to hoisting a trophy. I know. And and then you're not sure how to view the whole, (laughs) you don't know how to view it. We used to talk about that with Jill Ellis. When she was managing the U.S., that people are going to rip on her all the way to her holding up that trophy at the end of the tournament. And it happened. Um, And it feels like England are kind of living that experience. Now, I think right now with England, maybe some people are giving them a little bit more of a pass just because the injuries that they've been dealt are so prominent. I mean, so many of their best players are missing out on this tournament. So the fact that they're winning games in spite of that, and not to mention Lauren James, who looked like she was emerging as maybe their best player, is out with with that red card. Um, for the stomp against Nigeria, you know, I think just the fact that they're winning is really all that matters. I don't know. I don't know how much style points matter um, right now, but it's interesting because this matchup between England and Australia happened recently. Uh, they had a friendly, but shortly before, um, back in the spring, and it, Australia won, and it snapped England's unbeaten streak, I think, of 30 matches. And Karen Carney talked about it in The Guardian. She said, in the entirety of Serena Wiegman's tenure, I've seen the team, England, I've seen the team's heads drop only once, which was against Australia in the April friendly. That's 37 matches and a lot of minutes, and they've only lost their way once. They will be desperate not to repeat this on Wednesday. And that's an interesting note, that the only time she's seen England look truly looked defeated out on the field was recently against Australia. We'll see if that in any way rears its head in this matchup in a way that it could even more prominently because the crowd will obviously be extremely against England. I mean, that place is going to be a cauldron. Um, We should mention that everybody's darlings, uh, Japan 
bowed out to a team I did not think were capable of beating them, but they it turned out that Japan had wasted all their best. Maybe they just kind of peaked too early in the tournament, but uh, Sweden knocking Japan 2-1 out. So that sets up a Spain-Sweden uh, semi-final, which is the one we were just talking about there. But I will say the Spanish, I, I know I'm flip-flopping here. The, the, the Japanese were the best team I'd seen in the tournament before that, but this, the Spanish performance against the Netherlands, some of the football they played, Andrew, it's, it's unbelievable the development over the last three major tournaments, 19 and the, uh, the 2019 World Cup, the European Championships last summer, and now what I'm seeing, like the, the teams have bridged the gap so much and are so much better. And now, like, it's just not a fait accompli that America are going to win. Uh, a World Cup anymore and I'm just seeing it with every game that passes I'm seeing technical levels that I don't think I've seen before in the game yeah uh, so should be fun like we said Sweden uh, Sweden, Spain has happened but uh, we're on the, the the eve now of England Australia should be awesome uh, finally one of the closeout Leagues Cup and we're reaching the the business end of that semifinals as Leo Messi and Inter Miami they take they take their show on the road to Chester JJ where they're going to face the Union in uh in a semifinal that I cannot wait for um uh, of course as as is the case with everyone because you're starting to hear now that I don't know what the expectation was if we thought oh people they'll just watch Messi's highlights that will satisfy them you're starting to see leaks here and there that this whole thing of like let's bring Messi here because it'll boost Apple subscriptions sounds like it's working people are I, I've seen some reports that the subscription numbers have more than doubled since Messi's move here. Um, I mean, it's a heck of a lot to to hang a league on one player. So I was thinking about that, that exact Mm. point, because I've watched what's happened with this tournament, the League's Cup, a tournament that has no history and no No prestige whatsoever. But that's the thing. But I think it does have juice now. And I think it's, I think one guy, I think the presence of one person has basically lent credibility to this thing that really shouldn't have any. And so I was Correct. thinking about that and I would think, okay, that's great. Like that's great for this and all the games that he plays in. But the the other side of it, JJ, so this is going to end. We're going to go back to MLS play. And that's great. Inter-Miami are, are suddenly must-watch. That's awesome. But what if they don't make the playoffs? Like MLS's postseason is supposed to be what this is all about. Just get into the playoffs. That's where the real fun starts. Messi's power is lending credibility to anything he touches. If Inter Miami, who are really good now, I think we're seeing that. This is not a fluke. I think they're actually good, but it's still a mountain for them to climb. It's possible. Twelve points, but it's possible. But it's a mountain for them to climb to get in the playoffs. They're going to have to win almost rock every bottom. game. They're going to have to win almost every game. It could happen, but like if they don't make the playoffs, I feel like the power of Messi. He has the power to lend credibility to things, and he has the power to take it away. If they're not in that postseason, is it going to feel like a big deal? No. That's a problem. It's a huge problem because it's not a problem for the diehards. Like they have them, but all these new people who have lopped on to MLS, maybe some of them, I guess that's the idea is just keep some of them for the non messy stuff. But I don't, I feel like it's for a lot of people, it's going to not feel like anything if he's not in it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm of that opinion too. Um, I heard Joseph Martinez talking, um, a man who is not, he talked with all the confidence of a man that has forgotten that the world's best player and his, and some of his friends have joined, just joined his team. 
because he was basically <laughs> talking about how uh, the Mexican teams had come into League's Cup and had kind of underestimated and not really paid much respect to MLS teams. And now they're going home with their tails between their legs. And I feel like saying, hang on a second, pal. Inter Miami have the best player in the world currently playing for them. Okay, the the greatest player probably yeah. we've ever seen. It's it's not suddenly just you. It's not suddenly just you know you and your buddies showing everyone. It's this guy. Yeah, don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, um, that is funny. You know, I had one other thing I wanted to say about this with regards to Messi in particular. Um, you know, since he came over here and has done what he's done, it's been so fun. It's been amazing to watch. I've enjoyed it so much. However, the one drawback has been that for whatever reason, it's given ammo to the anti-MLS crowd out there that the league is in some way a joke. That, oh, look at this. Like the, Look how easy it is for him. This league is pathetic. There's no defending. I think that's very unfair. But here is the thing that has caught my attention. So the other day, and maybe I'm not following the right people on Twitter. I don't know. But like the other day, Roberto Firmino steps on the field, a guy who was not washed at Liverpool, but close, couldn't really get minutes there, except for like a few games here and there. He goes into Saudi Arabia, this league that Ronaldo has proclaimed is better than MLS now. He scores a hat trick. Today, Sadio Mane makes his debut in Saudi Arabia. Four minutes in, scores a goal. I'm sorry, where where is the same energy? For of all the anti MLS stuff, oh, the league is a joke. Look at what Messi's doing. At least Messi's the greatest player who, who just won a golden ball at a World Cup like a minute ago. Firmino wasn't getting minutes. Like th- these guys are like a lot of these guys, some of them, yeah, some of them are in their prime still, but like Firmino's going to score a hat trick and we're not going to have that same anti crowd. I, I don't like it. I don't think it's fair. I think there's a double standard. I think for some reason MLS is treated in a way that's not right. It's because of your reaction right there. It's easy to wind up Yanks. It's just so easy. Especially yeah, we've got, an, we've got an effing inferiority complex, all right? Correct. At least we admit it. At least we Correct. admit it. We're aware of it. I just want that same energy. Messi is the greatest player in the history of the sport. He's scoring ridiculous free kicks. Oh, what a joke this league is. Oh, Firmino scored a hat trick? Looks like Liverpool shouldn't have lost him. What? Well, this doesn't make sense. I don't get it, and I don't like it. <laughs> Can we finish with something you won't like either? Oh. Um, this gave me D chills. So, uh, a pa- I, and I don't know what you think of it. Apparently, Daniel Sturridge has joined the Sky Sports commentary team. And uh, he was part of their their channel, including Roy Keane and Mika Richards, for the Chelsea-Liverpool game. And uh, in wrapping up, I guess, Daniel Jones, the per- presenter, uh, said, oh, we didn't even make you do an initiation. Daniel Sturridge and uh, Big Meeks goes well what would you have done and Sturridge goes I would have probably or maybe I don't know sung a song I suppose or and yeah let's just have a listen to how how Daniel decides to uh, to show his skills we didn't even get the initiation song Daniel initiation song what would you what would you have chosen Uh, I don't know Um, Usher Usher which one Seven o'clock. It's seven o'clock on the dot. I'm in my drop top, cruising the street. 
You know the vibe. You know how we do. Did you like that, bro? Very nice. Yeah? yeah? Very nice. <laughs> Where did it all go I did not Where did expect that before. You know, sometimes you have to drop a vibe. A box of surprises. right. Wow. Roy will do his next week. Kenny Rogers next week. Billy Joel. Wow, how about that? Great voice. Amazing voice. Did you see Keane's reaction? Just kind of just staring ahead. I, there's no question he has talent. There's no question he can sing. That gave me D chills. <laughs> you know, he, he is very good. He's, but I see where you're coming from. I don't yeah. know why. The, the one thing I keep kind of leaning on is a line from Jerry in, in an episode of Seinfeld. Um, I think it's, I think Elaine is asking him to go see Mel Torme in concert with, with her. And Jerry's response is, I can't watch a man sing a song. What are you crazy? I can't watch a man sing a song. He's a, he's incredible. He's a great singer, but yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't know why. Yeah. It, it just, the way he just, it, it, it's not so much he can do it for me. It's more that he he isn't in any ways shy about it. <laughs> yeah. I like just... Ron Burgundy going up on stage. Really, I'm not prepared as he pulls the flute out of his pocket. Yeah, it's that. Just it's like that begging someone, please, someone, someone, please ask me to sing. Please yeah. ask me to sing. Yeah, it's that awareness, that self-awareness <laughs> where you know you're really good and you're just hoping it happens. I prefer the kind of bashful person who is absolutely coaxed into doing something and it and it sounds amazing. Okay. And you're like, what a talent you have. And they're like, ah, I, I don't like doing that. I, I get embarrassed. No, Studge is straight out there with it. Straight out there with it. He's and that, really good. That, that, why, why shouldn't he? Yeah. I, I hope know. he does it every week now. Oh, God. No, Roy Roy will throw himself out the window. <laughs> won't be able to handle it. Yeah. Uh, well, I enjoyed this. This was this was a meaty one. This was a big one. We always knew it would be. Neymar switching teams. We've got the Premier League is back in action. We always knew. Women's World Cup semi. This was this was always earmarked as, as a potential behemoth, and it was. I hope that's okay. It was. I mean, we we haven't we have we're contractually obliged to do another pod, but we might want to push that one a little bit later. It's going to take people so long to get through this one. Maybe we, should we just split this in two? Release the second half on the on <laughs> that Thursday is, that morning. Would, that would be pretty cheap of us, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was this was so much fun. We'll have another one of these sometime later this week. Um, looking ahead to the the weekend, and of course, recapping what's going on in the women's World Cup semis, leagues cup semis, all that good stuff, and more. Who the hell knows? The transfer window is still open. Mbappe could be on ten different teams by the end of the week. Maybe, maybe Caicedo will too. I know Chelsea introduced him today, but that, I'm still not convinced. That story was just weird enough that I feel like there could be more, um, more to it. JJ, this was a lot of fun. Hey, to you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, bro. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.